I love the book of Joshua. Joshua is the same as Jesus, the name. And Joshua is a type of Christ that we see in the Old Testament. And one thing I love about Joshua, God takes him from victory to victory to victory. And that's what Jesus wants to do in our lives. He doesn't tell us that we won't ever face battles, that we won't have difficult times, but he tells us that he will give the enemy into our hands. Amen? Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you to live in his victory, and he will lead us into victory. And we see that in Joshua. Last week, we we noted several important things as we began. I'll just give you uh, three of those quickly to recap what we went over last week. He tells Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua knew that. (laughs) But God was telling him in a very blunt way, in a very powerful way, it's a new day. We're entering into a new time. You are going to lead my people. And God wants us to go forward. He doesn't want us to get stuck in the past. Amen? Whether our past was good or whether it was bad, he wants us to go forward into all that he has for us. The second thing we uh, noted was that it was for all, his, all people. He tells Joshua, I want everybody to enter into the promised land. So God has a future with a hope for you, a, a destiny. A, he has a, a plan for your life. And he wants every one of us to enter in to all that he has for us. Amen? How many, how many would join me and say, yes, Lord, to that? I want your plan. I want, I want to go forward. I don't, I don't want to get stuck in the past. And the third thing, God wants all of us to hold on tenaciously to his promises, to his way of life, and to the fact that he will never leave us and never forsake us. I'm thankful for that. Well, today I want you to look beginning with verse 10, chapter 1 of Joshua, verse 10. We're going to read through verse 18. Now, Today we're going to talk about something that is is difficult. It's something that most pastors don't like to talk about. It's it's something that a lot of Christians don't like to talk about. But let's look at this passage and we're going to get into it because it's a powerful truth. Before they could enter in and take possession of the land, there were some things that they had to have. They had to have structure in the army. Every army needs structure. Amen? And we're going to look at that. Let's look at verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. There's two things we talked about last week. God was giving them the land, but they had to go and they had to fight and they had to possess what God was giving them. Sometimes we just want to sit back and say, well, God, do whatever you want to do. No, we have to get up and go and possess what he says I'm giving to you. Verse 12, 
And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed all you, all your mighty men of valor, and help them. Verse 15, until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he has given you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So they answered Joshua saying, all that you command us we will do and whatever you send us, wherever you send us we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words, in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. There's several things I want us to see, but first of all, I want you to notice the fact that they had already experienced victory from the Lord. But God was preparing them for greater battles. He was preparing them for greater victories. He was preparing them for great miracles. In fact, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, it tells us about one of the victories that God had given them in the past. In chapter 3, verse 3, it says, So the Lord our God also delivered into our hands Og, king of Bashan, with all his people, and we attacked him until we had no survivors remaining. Now Og was a giant of a man. We, we know, history tells us that his bed was 13 and a half feet long by 6 feet wide. He was a big guy. He hated, he hated Israel. He wanted to see Israel destroyed. And sometimes when we come to these passages, we, 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 we say, God, why did, why did you have Israel wipe out that entire nation? And we need to understand, church, that God knows the future. He knows the hearts of men. And he knows when, when a king is going to lead a nation and when that nation's going to follow, and follow that king and they're going to hate God's people, they're going to hate the true and the living God, they're going to live against God, and they're going to be a cancer on humanity. And just like a surgeon will go in and carefully remove the cancer, there are times that God has to go in humanity and remove that cancer. And it's for the well-being of humanity as a whole. And that's what was taking place here. And so Israel gains a great victory from the Lord. Now the two and a half tribes that said, we, they said, Moses, we, we like it right here on the east side of the Jordan. We're happy. We don't need to go on in and cross the Jordan. This land is awesome. We want to stay right here. And so Moses says, yes, that's fine. But it's interesting that God tells them they need to help their 
brothers inherit all that God has for them. And God was preparing them for greater victories. And church, I want you to get this in your heart today. You have not experienced your last victory. God is a God of conquest. He's a God of victory. He desires for you to go and possess the land. That's God's heart. And you and I need to take that stance and realize, yes, there's going to be more battles ahead, but the battle belongs to the Lord. It doesn't matter how great the enemy appears. He may appear like the king of Bashan, Og, and, and he may seem massive, and not, no way we can overcome this great uh, the enemy that's coming towards us. But church, God is greater. I want you to leave today if you don't remember anything else. Remember, God wants you to live in victory because he is a God of victory. And Scripture says, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's a sad thing when you see Christians that are constantly struggling, and, and I call them Eeyore Christians, because they live under this cloud, and they whine all the time. Oh, woe is me. That's not Christ-like. Amen? He's called us to conquest, to believe him, and when he says, go and possess the promised land I have for you, then we get up and we go, trusting that the enemy's going to be placed in our hands. Are you with me? Amen. Now, last week we looked at Moses' death. I mentioned it a moment ago. And Joshua was was taking over the leadership role. And this is a picture of the Lord saying to us that I'm leading you into greater glory. I, a verse in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Church, God wants to constantly be working on our lives, constantly transforming us from glory to glory. Amen? I want you to join me and say yes to the Lord. Say, Lord, you have permission. I don't want to remain here as glorious as it is. All that you've done. And I thank God for what he's done. I thank God, I've been in some wonderful meetings in my life where God saved people and healed people and set people free. But church, I'll tell you right now, I'm not ready to sit back and say, that glory's all I need, that's enough. My heart is, Lord, transform me. Lord, take me from this glory to another glory. I wanna be more and more and more like Jesus. Amen? I want more. I want to be more like him. Now in verses 10 through 18 we just read, we're given principles to take the, the, the next generation and ourselves as well. But as we started last week, I have a heart for my children and for my grandchildren and for my spiritual children. You are my spiritual children. And I want to see us all enter into what God has for us. And so there's principles I want us to look at in these few verses. 
First of all, look back at verse 11. God does ordain conquest. It says, possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. God tells them to go and possess it. God has given, given it to them. And God has a, a, a promised land for us. He has given us. But we must be people, guess what, of warfare. The church fails many times because we're not down on our knees. We're not spending time in prayer. We're not spending time in the Word. We're not interceding. Church, we have to be people of warfare. Amen? Now in the third chapter, we come across a, a phrase that the Lord speaks to Joshua, and I'm going to read it to you. In the third chapter, verse 4, it says, You must go, for you have not come this way before. I love that. God's saying, Joshua, I'm going to take you and take the people into something new. I've got new plans for you. I'm going to take you and you're going to experience miracles that you've never experienced. Yes, you're going to experience battles that are going to be great, but I'm giving the enemy into your hand. God was saying, I have something new for you. And church, God has something new for every one of us. He wants to take us in a new direction into the promises that he has for us. He doesn't want us to be satisfied with where we are. He wants to do a new thing. Now there's two things that are important for the army. First of all, structure. Everybody say structure. And the second thing is that the army hears the statements of the leaders. Structure and statements. I want you to think about that. Now, many of our guys here today and women as well, we have our, our veterans or are currently uh, involved in the, in the military in some way. And you immediately recognize the fact that every army has to have a line of authority. Correct? Guess what? God's army is just the same. And I want us to think about this for a minute. For those that, that are currently serving in the army, as I understand it, I could be wrong and you can correct me. But first of all, there's the recruits. Then there's the drill sergeant. Then the executive officer, and a lot of times that's the senior drill sergeant. Then there's the company commander, the battalion commander, the division commander, the corps commander, and the army chief of staff. So there's a line of authority that they understand and they recognize. And we see that in this passage of scripture. In church, God gives us a line of authority because we are an army. Or we're supposed to be. <laughs> I'm recruiting today, by the way. But we, we have, have a lot of veterans here, and they know there was a line of authority that was placed over them so the army could function and go forward. Now, the two and a half tribes, when they had their land in verse 17 of our text, they said this. They said, just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. 
Now, there's many problems that take place when God's army doesn't recognize the authority that God places. And I said in the beginning, this is going to be a tender subject. And it is because I have encountered so many Christians that have been hurt or wounded in some way by Christian authority. When the Christian authority got off track and they were concerned about themselves and and building their own little kingdom or they were concerned about uh, controlling and they became legalistic. And church, I want you to know this. God's army isn't legalistic. It's an army that shows love and grace. But what is sad to me is that so many Christians have been wounded and so they step aside from being involved in God's army. And it hinders the church. I'll tell you right now, we need you. And guess what? You need us. I don't want to go into battle by myself. I want to go in with an army. Amen. I want to go in with brothers and sisters on my right and on my left who are praying with me, who are going to stand with me in the midst of the battle and help me to win the battle. So we need one another, but so many times Christians get hurt or offended in, in some way and they step out. And if that's you here today or you're watching online, many of you are probably watching online today, I want to tell you, God wants to heal you of that. He wants to wrap his loving arms around you. And he wants to assure you there are leaders that are called by him that love you like he's called them to love you. And their heart, church, my heart for every one of you today is to see you enter into the promised land that God has for you and your family. I've met hundreds of pastors through the years and very, very few of them have been pastors that were really legalistic or or, or were building their own kingdom. And guess what? Those that weren't faithful men of God, God exposed them. But most of the pastors I've met through the years They truly loved God and they truly loved his people. And with all their heart, they wanted to see them move in and and receive all that God had for them. I'll tell you something else. I've never met a perfect pastor. And the closer you get to them and the more you know them, the more you're going to see that. Because there is no perfect person except for Jesus. So I want to challenge you today to to recognize that God has given us uh, authority and that his plan is for us to receive authority and positions just like any other army that we can go forward and win the victory. Only the Lord, your God, be with you. I want you to see this. In that verse I just read, right in the middle of it, listen to what they said. They they were telling telling Joshua, just as we followed Moses, 
we're going to follow you. But listen to what they said. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. What are they doing there? It's a short little prayer. But it's a massive prayer. (laughs) What were they saying? We recognize God worked through Moses for our best interest. That Moses had a heart for us. That Moses was leading us into what God had. That Moses listened to God. Moses spent time in the presence of God. And Moses taught us. Moses was a man that experienced the miraculous of God. So they were saying, everything that God did in Moses' life, I pray that he'll do in your life, Joshua. Church, one of the best things you can do is to pray for those in leadership. And pray just like that. Amen. I would love that prayer. Turn to somebody and tell them, Pastor Milt would love for you to pray for him like that. Harry, you need to pray for me like that. And I'll pray for you like that. Pastor Todd, I'm going to pray for you like that. What, what is that? I love it. Think about it. Let, it. let it grow in your heart and get excited about it. What were they really saying in that short little prayer? They were saying, Pastor Todd, I pray as God brings you up in leadership in the prison and in other areas of your life, that the same anointing of God that rested upon Moses, that Moses encountered God, encountered his glory, that the, the, the radiating presence of God, his face glowed when he came down from the mountain. I pray that you'll experience God's word speaking to you. I pray for fire in your heart. That you'll love the people that you'll fulfill and lead those that God's called you to lead into the promises of God for them. That's what what they were doing. In other words, they were trusting God. They weren't trusting Joshua. Amen? So when you trust God's leaders, you trust God and you pray for them. And if they get out of line, I'll tell you right quick, God's going to deal with them. Are you with me? Amen. God's going to deal with them. Now note, God places them in your life so that all all that God has for you in this life can be realized. Look at verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people. So there's three different leadership roles we see here. First of all, Joshua, who's the representative of the Lord's authority. So the Lord spoke to Joshua Joshua commanded the officers, the officers commanded the people. In verse 11, passed through the camp and commanded the people. So the Lord is the absolute authority. So any time that a spiritual leader drifts away from the word of God, you know that you don't have to follow him or her. Amen? If a church begins to drift away, guess what? It's time to look for a new church. And we live in a time and in a culture where, in fact, I heard somebody just this last week say, well, the church needs to change with the times. Those were their exact words. And my heart broke. No, The same ills of sin in humanity are the same. And the answer is still the same. 
Yes, we may approach people different. We may come up with different ideas. We may, you know, not worship exactly the same, but it's still the word of God that we're, we're living by, we're teaching, we're going forward, and we're not going to change. We're living in a time when the Bible says there's going to be deceit, when there's going to be false prophets. So that's why we need to know the word of God and, and adhere to it. Also, in Ephesians, I love this verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, and he, gave him, and he himself gave, it's talking about the Lord, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He gives spiritual leadership to edify the body, to build up the body, right? And so that they can be equipped for the work of the ministry that they're called to do. Now Jesus gives leadership in the church. Now get this, I love this fact. He gives the office, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, but he also gives the person that he calls. Think about that. That person is a gift to you as well as the office is a gift to you. I like that because I can tell everybody that I'm God's gift to you. And it's true. Am I a perfect gift? No. Sometimes I'm that thorn that's just there to help you to grow. <laughs> But both the office and the, the person that fills that office are God's gift. Because God wants to see us equipped and going forward and ministering. And it's the responsibility of a godly leader to speak those words of authority. And th th this is what's difficult, especially in the day we live in. Because God's word says that sin is still sin. It hasn't changed. It says that sin destroys our lives. It's destructive. And so church, guess what? That's what I'm gonna tell you. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. If it's sin in God's word, it is still sin today. And I encourage you, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect by any means. All of us stumble, all of us fall. In fact, the Bible is very specific. It says, if we know to do good and do it not, it's sin. So that covers a lot, even for strong Christians, mature Christians. In other words, do we pray enough? Do we witness enough? Do we read God's word enough? If we don't, then we've sinned. But church, we have to stick to the truth of the word of God and share what God's word said is sin. We can't back down. Even though the culture is saying, well, you want to know why the church is, is, is not doing good in our, our culture today? It's because you won't change with the times. And there are many denominations that are shrinking. And many denominations are trying to give in to what uh, God's word says and kind of sugarcoat it or say, well, maybe we just won't interpret it that way. In church, we can't do that to the next generation. We have to train up the next generation 
and let them know if you want the fullness of life, the fulfilling life that God's called you to, you will trust his word and you will live by it. Amen? The Bible says in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul's talking uh, about uh, the, uh, Timothy and he says, Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then he goes on in chapter 3 and tells us what he means by faithful men. In verse 10 of chapter 3 he says, But you have carefully followed the doctrine. There it is. Faithfully passed down to those that will adhere to the true doctrine. The manner of life, he says. The purpose. The faith. The long-suffering, love, perseverance. All these things are faithful people that are to be entrusted to share the word of God with the next generation. We're called to be servant leaders. And this is where a lot of us don't want to be a leader. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. And I know that there are pastors and ministries right now that they're building their own little kingdom, not God's. But it says, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So we're humble. We're to be humble and recognize that God loves us and he loves them and we're no more special than anybody else. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Ooh, it's awful quiet in here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. So we, we, we come humbly recognizing that without God, we can't do anything. We're nothing without him. It's only through him and what he does in our lives. In fact, Jesus emphasizes servant leadership in the night before he went to the cross. In John chapter 13, verse 14, it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. He wants us to be servant leaders. You know, when we have a new member of staff that comes to work here, I just kind of sit back and watch them. And one of the things I watch for is, like if they're walking through the church and there's trash on the floor or trash in the bathroom, will they pick that up and throw it away? Or if they go through the, the church and they see something that, that shouldn't be there or something that's turned over or something's out of place, will they take time to scoot that over and put it back and make it look nice? Are they striving for excellence because it's the house of the Lord? Do they want to, to be a servant leader? Because that's what God's called all of us to. I want you to Look again at Joshua 1.1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. 
Notice Joshua was a servant to Moses. He, he served Moses faithfully. And there's a powerful truth here. Then God calls Joshua to, co- to come and to lead the people. Church, if you, if you desire to be a leader in the church, and the, and the Bible says that's a good thing to desire, to be a spiritual leader. But it tells us something about Joshua and Moses there. If you want to be a leader in the church, you have to become a servant first because God calls those who have a servant heart to then lead. And you can apply that in any area of life and it'll be a blessing to you. Now notice Joshua was Moses' servant and then God called him to lead. Now in verse 13, Joshua speaks on the authority of the experience with Moses. Listen to this. Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. He's saying, remember what Moses commanded you. Church, we need to adhere to those who have already gone through the battles and won the victories. We need to hear from those who are mature in the faith. There shouldn't be a a wide gap between our children and our teens and our seniors. We need to hear from our seniors, our elders, our deacons, those that have gone before us and, and conquered and been victorious in Christ Jesus. I love to hear from our deacons and and our elders in the church. They're servant leaders and they've been through battles and most of them are mentoring others. A lot of them are mentoring young men or young women. And that's what the church should do, amen? And I wanna encourage you, if you don't have a spiritual mentor, find one. Ask God to give you a spiritual mentor. Someone that when you're going through a struggle, you can call them up and say, hey, I'm going through this. And they can pray with you and they can give you wisdom and and share what they've gone through and help you through to see the victory in your own life. Now remember, Joshua was leading them into the land that he has seen before. And this is an important point. Rest assured, church, that, that I'm not ever going to ask you to enter in to anything spiritually that I haven't already experienced in my life. But I will ask you to come along and join me. Come here. I will ask you to come along with me and say, God's got a victory ahead of us. God's got a battle, but he's given the enemy into our hands. Amen. And I want to walk with you, and I want to see you win that victory. Show me the way. And let's go together. Amen. 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 Well, and I want, to, I want to see everyone experience some of the great things that I've experienced in my life. I've been in a church service on Sunday night, and I didn't go home till 3 o'clock in the morning. And it wasn't because I was the pastor. It's because the presence of God was there in such a weighty way, a a powerful way, I didn't want to go home. 
It's because people were coming and being saved. People were being healed. People were being set free from the things in their life. And I've experienced that. And so church, I'm not going to be satisfied until we have a Sunday morning service where I never get to preach. And it's not because I want to slack on my job. It's because I'm, I'm praying and I'm believing we're going to enter into worship and the presence of the God, his glory is just going to rest in this house. And we're going to see people just weeping and people coming to the altar and getting down on their knees, people running to get saved, people being healed. Church, I still believe that God heals. I still believe that he saves to the uttermost. I still believe that he delivers people from things that have them bound. And so church, I want to see this church enter in and possess all the wondrous things that God has for us. Amen? So, so I'm not going to get up. I need you again, brother. I'm not going to come up and say, come on, Harry, come on, Harry. That's not how I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up and I'm going to say, come on, brother. Let's go. And if he's struggling, I'm going to grab him and say, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Come on, Todd. You're gonna... <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the final thing I want us to see, the two and a half tribes they had their inheritance. They had their cities. They had the vineyards, the houses. God promised them, and they had them. But look at verse 14. You shall pass before your brethren armed, all your men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord has given you, given your brethren rest, as he gave you and they have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God has given them. I think this is a picture of the church. We have come into our, our inheritance. We've come into Christ. We're experiencing the fullness and the richness, the fulfillment of living for Jesus. But sometimes we just want to sit back and enjoy it. In life, good. God blesses me. I come to church with my family. I get my worship on. I hear some God's word. It's good. It's filling me. It's just strengthening me. But yet there are those other tribes that haven't entered into their promised land. And, and Joshua tells them, you can't sit back and rest and enjoy the blessings of God in your life and your family that God's given you until the rest of your brethren have entered in and fought the battles and taken possession of what God has for them. And that needs to be the heart of the church. I'm not going to rest back and say, oh, in life, good, God blesses me. We have great church family. We have wonderful worship and presence of the Lord. And then forget about those that haven't entered in and taken possession of what God has for them. 
We need to fight the battle with them. The church many times is a hindrance instead of helping them to enter in and fight alongside of them to, in, to enter into their inheritance and possess what God has for them. Church, I want to be that kind of a fellowship. Amen? I don't want to sit back and just say, oh, life is good. I want to see who I can come alongside and say, hey there, God's got something good ahead for you. He wants you to possess the land. There's going to be battles, but I'm here to fight the battle with you. And it, notice it said they came armed. And they came before their brethren. In other words, they weren't sitting in the back saying, uh, well, if you, all, if you guys kind of can't handle it, then we'll jump in and help. No, they were leading in the battle to see the other tribes get their possession. Ooh, that'll preach. Amen? And I want to be that kind of pastor. I want to be that kind of church. I want to go forward and I want to see those that need help in possessing what God has for them. And I'm not just going to come along and push them. I'm not even going to come along and, and just be beside them and say, hey, if you mess up, I'm here. I'm going to lead them in the battle. I'm going to go ahead and help fight and win the victory. Right. Amen. I want the worship team to come. And as I started this message and I told you that this, this subject isn't something that a preacher likes to preach on in the sense that I don't like to talk about spiritual leadership. But I've had some great spiritual leaders in my life that have been a tremendous blessing. I thank God for our district and our bishop. I thank God for uh, the executive presbytery and the team that God's put, put together. I thank God for our deacon board, and I thank God for our, our elder board. They're, they're, they're wonderful men and women of God. But church, we haven't arrived yet. And in, in order for us to prepare to go in and possess what God has for us, we need to acknowledge if we've been hurt, if we've been wounded, and give it to the Lord and let God wrap his arms around us and bring healing. I said earlier, many, many pastors that I've known, I've never known a pastor that intentionally wanted to hurt anybody. I haven't. The majority of pastors that I've known have cried and wept over their congregations in prayer. They've wanted God's best for every person that they had the opportunity to minister to. They wanted to take them. Sometimes they misspoke and offense would happen. Sometimes they, they would do something that they didn't think about and it would offend somebody. Church, I want, I want to make sure that as we go forward that you, you understand my door is always open and if I ever hurt you or wound you in any way, please come see me. 
Because that has never been my heart. It isn't my heart now, and it will never be my heart. I love you, and I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I want you to possess the victories that God has for you. But when we leave hurt, and we leave wounded, and we're not part of God's army, guess what? We can't help others, and we can't enter into the victory ourselves. One of the, one of the, the last thing there in verse, I think it was verse 18, Or verse 14. You shall pass before your brethren armed all your mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you and they have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. I love that. That should be all of our heart today. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they would come to the front and come around the back of the auditorium.